The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service of Berean Baptist Church. Acts chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and all had, and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods, <clears throat> imparted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church that we're reading about this morning, this church in Jerusalem. And we thank you for the power that we see. For Lord, it is you that build the church. It is you that add to the church. It is you that preserves the church. It is you that continues the church throughout the centuries and and will continue until you come again. So thank you for this time we have. Instruct us today. Teach us, Lord, why we need church. And help us to to understand the importance of church in our lives. And to love this church as you love it. And to to do these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If we were to take a poll today of 1,000 people, what percentage do you think would attest to the importance of the church. Any, any guesses from anyone? Anyone want to venture a guess? What percentage? Out of a thousand people, what percentage? 11%? 30%? Well, actually, about eight, between 80 and 90% of people that believe in, in, in the Lord would attest to the importance of the church. They would say, yes, church is important. <laughs> Yet less than 50% of the world's population who attest to belong to a Christian faith and church actually attend church on a regular basis. The majority of people I have met in my 40 years of ministry do consider church to be a good thing. I talk to many of them at work. At Villa Marin, where I work, I'm known as the preacher. Many of the people walk through, many of the other employees walk past me in the hallway. They say, good morning, preacher. And I say, good morning. I'm proud to, by the way, I'm proud to be, to be known as a preacher. That's a good thing. 
Uh, it means my testimony is, is going forth before everyone there. But most of them consider church a good thing. However, most do not consider it as a priority. They treat church as just an optional part of their worship and service to God. It's, it's an option. Oh, yeah, church is great. Church is wonderful. Are you going to go this Sunday? Well, no, not this week. And I believe this is in large part because they just simply do not understand what importance God places upon the church. And this is because they fail to properly understand the character of God. When people do not have a proper understanding of something, they tend to place it in a lower priority. Take your job, for instance. You understand the importance of your job. How many of you understand your job is important? How many of you understand that? Don't be shy. Raise your hand if you understand that. Without your job, you could not support your family. You could not buy food. You could not pay for your utilities. You could not pay your mortgage. You could not afford health care. So because you understand the importance of your job, you get up every day and you go to work, right? Even when you don't want to go. Even when you don't feel like it. You get up and you go because you understand the importance. You understand that if you don't consistently show up for your job, you will be fired. <laughs> this we understand, and so we place a high priority on our job. So without any thoughts or reassessments of our priorities, we all head off to work every day, singing the song of that famous heptad, the seven dwarves, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. Now back to the church. While the majority of people consider church important, as a concept, uh, the majority of these do not place a priority on the church. And this is my opinion drawn from years of experience. It is primarily because they do not understand the role of the church in their lives. They have what's called a polytheistic view of the church. What I mean by this is that these view the church as just one means of fellowshipping with God. As just one of the ways to serve the Lord. This viewpoint will cause the church to become less prioritized to us. It will then cause us to, um, measured by our own standards, <clears throat> weigh the importance of the church against the opportunities or circumstances of the moment. In other words, what does it take to keep us from church? I've never visited an absentee who looked me in the eye and said, I had something more important to do. Oh no, everyone I've ever visited in that situation had an excuse for not being in church. In Luke chapter 14, we read, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. And of course, the most common excuse is to say that God understands. Well, I wasn't there today. I had something else I had to do. But God understands. You ever heard that? You ever heard, you ever heard somebody say that? Well, God understands. But does he? Does God understand? Well, in Exodus chapter 20, he said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. God has given us six days to do all that we need to do. Six days to work and play. Six days to do all that we desire to do. All that is good and right. But upon the seventh day we are to revere and honor God. We are to venerate his day of rest. We are to worship him. So our task at hand this morning is to determine the importance of the church. Is there anything that should take priority above church in our lives? If there is, then we better put church in its proper priority. And that is exactly what I'm trying to do this morning. Now I submit to you this morning that there is nothing more important in the life of the Christian than his or her church. Family. Family is important. No one believes this more than me. When my wife and I exchanged marriage vows on September 13, 1980, we pledged to love no other person more than each other. We pledged to be loyal to no other person more than to each other. We vowed to let nothing, including sickness and death, even separate us. No one believes more than me that a father should love and care for his children. He should provide for them, comfort them, Instruct them. My children believe that so well. I'm 64 now. And they're still coming to me for support. I heard a rumor once that children grow up and leave. (laughs) I've never experienced that rumor. Mine have grown up and they've come back with more. Job. Our job, we already talked about this, but our job is important. By it, you will provide for your family, support your local church. You can support missions. You can help those in need. (laughs) Jobs are important. Friends, friends are important. Do you know we were created by God with a desire for companionship? The ability to make and maintain friendships was given to us by God. We We don't have a natural desire to be alone. We want to be around other people. We, we want friends. These things are all important. Uh, all the things we've listed. And there are many other things in our lives that could be considered important. However, we must determine today, are things such as these more important than the church? And I don't, I don't care what your age is today. Uh, teenagers don't get a pass on the importance of church in their lives. Small children don't get a pass on the importance of church in their lives. Church is important to every one of us. Now, if these things are more important with church, then we should be investing our lives in these things, right? However, if they aren't, then we should invest our lives in the church. And furthermore, if the church is more important than all these things, then how dare we place them before the church? We live in what is known as the church age. It is known as the church age because God has placed all his emphasis in this age upon the local church. 
If God's emphasis was placed upon the family, then we would be living in the family age. If God placed his emphasis upon our jobs and making money, we would be living in the work age. It does make sense, doesn't it? That's, this is called the church age for a reason. And that reason is because the church is the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, we read, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The bride of Christ is the church. Christ gave his life for the church. He loves the church. And if we claim to be his child, and if we claim to love him, then we too should love the church. Imagine a man who claims to love his wife, yet he is unfaithful to her. He places his job before his wife. He forsakes his time with her to be with his friends. Over time, that relationship with his wife will begin to deteriorate. It will become less and less important to him. It will even become bothersome to him until he reaches the point where he will utterly forsake her. But notice that Paul said Christ loved the church. He gave himself the crucifixion He allowed himself to be crucified for the church. He sanctifies uh, the church. He purifies it by his word. He cleanses the church. Now I ask you, if the church is so important to Christ, shouldn't it be important to us also? Should we place less emphasis upon the things that are important to Christ? Should the church be a priority to us? Or is it just an option? So at this point, I believe we have adequately established the importance of the church to the believer. And I believe that we've established that nothing should take priority over the church. So let me spend some time this morning discussing the role of the church, the role that it plays in the life of the believer. Number one, why is the church important to us? Number one, because it's the place of doctrine. Number one, the church is important because it is the place of doctrine. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, we read, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles, what's that next word? Doctrine. It says they study, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Every individual here today understands the definition of the word doctrine, right? You all know the definition of the word doctrine? Means what? Teaching. Doctrine is teaching. In other words, these church members continued in the preaching and teaching of the apostles. So what's the big deal about that? Well, if we consider that there are many doctrines or many different teachings in in Jerusalem at that time, 
then we can begin to understand the importance of the doctrine of the church upon the spiritual understanding of the believer. The same is true today. There are many doctrines out there. There are many teachings. And teachings affect us. They influence us. And if we're not under the proper teaching, then we will have an improper understanding. Man, whether regenerate or degenerate, will by nature misunderstand and misinterpret Scripture. Apart from the indwelling Holy Spirit, truth will elude us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And without the, without the spiritual teacher, the Holy Spirit, we will never correctly understand Scripture. We will never correctly understand the biblical principles. And that's where doctrine comes in. That's where a pastor standing in a pulpit, preaching and teaching his people, becomes important. This is why the doctrine we receive is so important. And we must not be so naive as to think that all teachers have our best interest at heart. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Oh yes, there are many false teachers among us today. These men use their charisma and their influence to prey upon unsuspecting people. People who are hurting and in need of spiritual guidance. But unfortunately, they will not receive the help they seek from these deceivers. In Second Peter, Peter writes, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. The help these dear hurting people need can be found in the local New Testament church. The place where doctrine, good doctrine, is preached and taught. Over the years, I've been asked, isn't one church as good as another? The answer is no. The answer is no. We must weigh the doctrine of the church to prove its worth. In 1 John chapter 4, John writes, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are going out into the world. Why do I need church today? I need church because I need good, sound doctrine. I need good teaching. Biblical teaching. But then, number two, why do we need church? Because number two, the church is the place of Fellowship. (laughs) 
The church is the place of fellowship. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 again. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Once again, the argument can be made made that we can have fellowship away from the local church. And I would be inclined to agree with that statement. You can go down to the lake with a bunch of friends and you can hang out and you can laugh and you can play and you you can have fellowship, right? Right? That's fellowship, isn't it? People go to ball games to have fellowship. They go, to, they go to the opera to have fellowship. Now, I don't know how you get fellowship at an opera, but that's it. There are many ways, of, many forms of fellowship. However, I believe it is very important to differentiate between the various fellowships we can consider. Certainly, we can partake of and enjoy in personal fellowship, uh, both with God and others. I enjoy having people over at my home for fellowship. Uh, we, we, we don't do that too often anymore because we live in a much smaller place. We used to have that big piece of property over in, in J section. And, um, uh, when, when, when I was a youth pastor here and youth director, we, the kids, all, the teenagers always seemed to gravitate over to my house and they would hang out in my garage. I had a, we had a pool table in the garage and they would hang out in there and, and uh, I'd clean them all out and take all their money from them and all no, I didn't do that. But, you know, I enjoy having fellowship. However, there is a fellowship that is unique to the assembly of believers. Hebrews chapter 10, we read, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Do you see that? He said, he said uh, uh, to love, uh, to provoke unto love and good works. One of the benefits of fellowshipping here in church is we encourage one another. We, 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 we urge one another. We push one another. We, we combine and come together and we provoke each other to love and we provoke each other to good works. The fellowship of the church is such that unites the believers. In Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 46, it says here, And all that believed were together and had all things common uh, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. These people became united in this church. They sold everything they had and brought all the money to the church. And they all existed through the local church. They had, they had close fellowship with one another. It is this fellowship of the believers that makes the church a body. Consider your own body for a moment. Billions of cells. Now, some of us have more cells than others have fewer cells. I, myself, for example, I probably have a couple billion more cells than Samuel. Probably many billion more cells than Samuel. But time's going to catch you up, buddy. You just wait. <laughs> And when one part of my body hurts, all the body hurts with it. 
Man, last night when I went, got ready for bed, I was looking for the I was looking for the Advil. Even my hair was hurting. I was uh, when one part, you know what I'm talking about. One part of your body hurts, huh? You get a cold or something, your toes hurt. Your hair hurts. Everything hurts. And the health of the body depends upon the fellowship of its members. As Christians, God has brought us together into one body. We have come from uh, Kentucky, from Louisiana, from Wisconsin, from Texas, from Oklahoma, from the Philippines, from Central America, uh, from Korea, from Mexico, from everywhere. We're comprised of English, French, Irish, Italian, African, Asian, Hispanic, and German. We consist of bankers and lawyers and nurses and psychologists and accountants and secretaries, teachers, plumbers, electricians, carpenters, homemakers. God has brought all of us together into this one place under one fellowship as a body to help one another as we function. Oh yes, you can have fellowship apart from the church. However, this unique fellowship can only be found in the local church. We all experienced this over the past year, didn't we? During the pandemic, we didn't have that fellowship, did we? No. We were, sep- we, we, were, we were held apart. We were separated. A body ceases to be a body if it's, if it's dismembered. And, and we... We cease to be that body. Oh, we still, we still, I used to tell pastor when we communicate during that time, we have our fellowship through Christ. We fellowship with one another through Christ. And he, he holds us together. Even though we were apart, he held us together. But was it the same? Did it feel the same? How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you started to feel a little weaker spiritually? During the pandemic. Oh, we, we read our Bibles, right? We, we, had, the, we had the sermons on, 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 we could sit down and watch them and everything was, we went through motions, but did we, did we have the, the true fellowship that Christ intends? No, we didn't. And we began to feel weaker. Some, some have not come back. And some we will not get back. That's unfortunate, but. This fellowship is important, and this church is where we get that fellowship. So the church is the place of doctrine, the place of fellowship then. Number three, the church is the place of communion. Church is the place of communion. Acts chapter 2, 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, Webster defines communion as the body of Christians who have one common faith and discipline. Many today profess Christ and claim to be in accord with the church, yet they're not a part of the church. These have attempted to replace the church by becoming a follower of multimedia ministries. Some attempt to replace the church with parachurch organizations. Yet, these cannot offer the believer the communion that can only be found in the local church. 
In the church, we are united with those of the same faith, those who adhere to the same doctrines, those that have been baptized into the same spirit. We hold ourselves accountable to the church and its government. And this is one of the biggest reasons so many avoid the communion of the church. And it is also the biggest contributor to the derelict state of so many churches across this nation. In the church, we share the observance of the Lord's Supper. We administer the ordinance of baptism. We preach the truth of the word of God. We unite as living examples of the gospel of Christ. In the church, we share our time, we share our talents, and we share our treasure for the work of the Lord. We unite in prayer, one for another and for those that are in need around us. In the church, we dedicate our children. We teach them the things of the Lord. We give them away in marriage. In the church, we memorialize our loved ones who have gone on before us. In the church, we forge relationships. We share all that we have for the good of others. In the church, we rejoice together. In the church, we weep together. In the church, we pray together. And in the church, we worship together. So now that I've given you what the Lord has laid on my heart, now that I've shared with you what the church has meant to me these last 40 years, I want to ask you the question. And I don't want you to answer it out loud. And I don't want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to answer this question yourself. For, for yourself. Do you need the church? I conclude this morning. That more than anything else. In this world. In this life. We need the church. I told someone one time, everything I need, God provides for me through the local church. Now, I might develop interests and I might want things that are outside of this local church, but everything I truly need to please him and to serve him is provided for me. In this church. The only problem is. Too many are absent from the church. Too many view the church as an option. They look at it as well if I got nothing else to do on Sunday I'm going to go to church. But the truth is. We need the church. 
The church is the place of doctrine. It's, it's, it's where we come and, and where we're taught how to live for Christ. How to please God. How to live amongst each other. It's a place, the church is a place of fellowship. It's where we come and forge relationships. It's where, it's where we come together and, and we help one another. We see a need and, and we, we fill that need. And the church is the place of communion. It's, it's where God unites us. It's where he molds us into one body. It's where we're united and joined to glorify and honor God the Father. Yes, we need the church. More than, what did, what did Job say? Job said that he considered the words of God what? More than his necessary food. We need the church. Make, make, make Berean Baptist Church not a part of your life. Make it your life. Put it in the center of your life and everything else revolves around the church. Not the other way around. Church doesn't revolve around your life. Your life revolves around the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we had together. I don't, I don't know, Lord. I don't know where I'd be today if it wasn't for the church. You saved me 40 years ago. And you, you united me in a church. And the churches that I've been in, Lord, only two in 40 years, only two churches, but both of them were the major part of my life. We need our church, Father. And, and, and you love this church and, and you want us to, to be a part of this church and you want us to make this church our life and, and to build it and to, and to love it and, and to, to cleanse it and to present it to you, a, a glorious church, without spot, without blemish. So strengthen us today and help us. Help us to see the importance of the church and use us, we ask, to, to build this church and to make it all that you want it to be. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you for these things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.